0: You're listening to the Astro Backyard Podcast. Capture the night sky. Hello everyone,
1: welcome back to the Astro Backyard Podcast. My name is Steve, I'm from Ontario Telescope and Accessories, and joining me, as always, it would never be any other way, we have Trevor Jones from astrobackyard.com. Trevor, say hi.
0: Hello everybody.
1: Not that I want to tell Trevor what to do, but we said this time I was going to lead things off because he did it last time.
0: That's right. I think I like to change it up. I don't. Switch well, it up. I'm going to
1: assume that you did it last time. I haven't listened to it. It's been a long time. It's been too long. So we're going to make a better effort to.
0: <laughs> it's been so long, we can't remember.
1: Yeah, although I'm sure there's some of you out there that will tell us.
0: Oh ha- yeah, first happen, comment.
1: Which is fine. So, anyways, we, we have re- that. we have a really exciting, um, topic today. Uh, something that I've been doing this summer. Been having a lot of fun with it. Um, Trevor has done work with it and, and uh, post some videos and done some reviews on it. And as soon as I mentioned this, Trevor got all excited. So we're going to talk about DSLR imaging and, uh, Woohoo! in particular wide field setup. So there's lots of ways we can do this. And, uh, I've been, like I said, I've been having a lot of fun. I just came back from a, an imaging trip this past weekend. Um, I had a clear, clear night. Uh, Trevor got skunked, um, I think I had a. Thanks for s- reminding me. You're welcome. Seven hours <laughs> of clear sky. It was, it was awesome, and it was dry. I didn't even have to use a dew heater. Um,
0: all right, that's enough. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: it was new moon weekend too.
1: It was new moon weekend, so it doesn't get any better. Um, it oh. can actually if your if your DSLR battery doesn't die, then it'd be a lot uh. better. So, um, uh, anyways. There's there's lots of things that you can do with uh, DSLR, and um, you know there's some arguments out there modded versus unmodded, um, which is the best lens to use. Um, So we're going to cover off all of that. And um, uh, Trevor, you've done a lot of work with the DSLR. You started with DSLR. You still use Mm -hmm. a DSLR. You've told me you will always do DSLR work.
0: like yeah, to... especially for stuff stuff wide field stuff with a camera lens, you can't you can't beat a DSLR.
1: No, absolutely not. And, and you know what, DSLRs are inexpensive. Um, most people have them. Uh, if you want to get one, you don't have to buy it brand new. You can pick up a, a really good used one uh, on the market, and um, you know you don't even have to get it modified. Uh, modifying a DSLR is very popular, but it's not something you need to do and no. you can still get very good results. So my camera, um Trevor's going to cringe. I use a Nikon. And uh <laughs> it was funny cuz when I sold my Canon and went to Nikon, the very first thing that came out of Trevor without skipping a beat <laughs> was, <laughs> was blasphemy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that was great. Um anyway, so I, I have a Nikon uh D5600, uh, great camera. Um and it's not modded. I don't want to modify it because I use it during the day uh, mm-hmm. for, uh, um, uh, you know, what, uh, taking pictures of my son's football te- uh, game with really good football. But um, regular daytime photography, regular stuff. daytime photography stuff, but mainly football right now yeah. um, or the odd air show. Uh, we had the air mm-hmm. show a couple weeks ago. Um. Anyway, so I've been using that with uh, an 80 to 200 millimeter f 2.8 Nikkor lens, and I've been using it at 80 millimeter and doing some wide field stuff with it, and been very very happy with the results. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you can use a modded, uh, sort of unmodded camera for galaxies and get fantastic results with it. So you don't have to modify a camera, but if you do modify it, Trevor, you have a modified camera. And you yeah, modified th- one.
0: What do you- My my astrophotography career has been split uh, overall the time with a stock camera and a modified camera. I went three or four years with a stock camera before I finally took the plunge. So, yeah, lots of experience with a stock camera and trying to make it work, uh, getting as much done as I could with that stock camera. And the, and the truth is you can get a lot done before you modify it. And uh, so... I believe you said earlier how it's there, it's a low cost of entry to DSLR astrophotography. So the stuff we're talking about today is um, wide angle shots with just a DSLR camera and a lens. And I mean, you, you could get uh, a DSLR, say like a, an old Canon Rebel. Make sure you get Canon, not Nikon. You'd, that's the last thing you want to do is start off with a Nikon. Oh, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
1: So I like,
0: I'm a Canon guy. Everybody knows that. But so you could get, um, say a used Canon rebel DSLR for about two to $300 stock. And then one of the lenses I love most is so affordable. It's the, uh, it's the 50 millimeter F 1.8, uh, Canon lens. And so it's a fixed prime lens at 50 millimeters, but it's fast and I think brand new, it's like $150. So all in, you're under $500 for a very capable astrophotography camera, which is pretty pretty incredible. So yeah, as for stock cameras, uh, me and Steve were talking earlier about uh, what, what kind of objects are best on it. And uh, believe it or not, galaxies are an excellent subject for a stock camera because uh, you're not getting a lot of that... Emission nebulosity that uh, a, that a modified camera picks up. So galaxies are great. Uh, it's great for star clusters and just getting natural star colors in general because um, you're getting that real natural color look. Um, so yeah, those are those are two subjects that are great on a stock camera.
1: Yeah, that that's one thing I really enjoy with with a DSLR. It is the star colors that that mm-hmm. you can get out of it. A very very rich. Um and, and high quality, you know. I think my first DSLR camera was a Canon XSI, uh, which was a really good camera because it had low noise and uh, it was ex- inexpensive. I think I picked up the body for a hundred dollars. Um, wow! I think one of the more popular ones right now on the used market for um, for imaging that people are, are, are looking for is the Canon T three I. You have a T three I, don't you?
0: Yeah, I I went the same route. I started with an XSI and then after that was a T3i. And this one I bought pre modified by a by a professional, whereas the XSI, I ended up modifying myself using a video tutorial I found on YouTube from Gary Honus. And uh, so I removed that that stock IR cut filter and performed the full spectrum mod, it's called to the camera. But uh, yeah, it performed excellent before and after that modification. It was just after the modification, kind of things got really exciting when it came to um, capturing targets such as uh, like the summer emission nebulae, like, um, you know, the Eagle Nebula, Omega Nebula. They it's, they seem to double in size once you've done that modification. Wait, just fixing- capture so much more.
1: Yeah. Well, the one thing you need to keep in mind, though, with, with a modified camera, especially if it's going to be a naked sensor or full spectrum, is you are exposing the sensor to everything. Um, so the two ban- uh, two areas that we need to be careful of are, are UV light and IR light. So the use of a light pollution filter in front of the sensor uh, is vital, but one that will cut out uh, UV and IR. So like um, the Skytech CCD CLS filter, or CLS mm-hmm. CCD filter, for example, yep. will not only work as a sky... Uh, a light pollution filter, but also cut out the UV and the IR. So if you do that, make sure you have a good quality light pollution filter that cuts both those out. Um, A standard light pollution filter uh, clip-in might only do UV and not the IR because the the stock's filter will have the IR cut on it already. That's right. So so that's something to, uh, sorry, or UV cut.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anyways, it, yeah, you yeah. It's yeah. usually the combination, right? The UV IR cup shelter. Yeah. So,
1: so, you yeah. need to watch out for that. also you're going to get star bloat, and you might have trouble, trouble focusing. Um, the, uh, you know, if you're going to be doing anything with a DSLR, not only are you going to be able to do deep sky stuff. So, you know, objects such as uh, if you have a telephoto lens, like a 200 or a 300 millimeter lens, you know, picking up the heart and soul nebula. Um, uh, both of them at the same time. Easy stuff.
0: Mm. Um, oh, yeah. The really huge stuff. North America. Stuff. Andromeda. Get stuff? Get
1: oh. All of Andromeda. Yep. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, tri- Triangulum? Will you be able to get Triangulum? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah absolutely. So, you know, if you have a, if you have a uh, telephoto lens and a DSLR, you can start taking really good deep sky images right away. And you don't need to... It doesn't have to be the f2.8 lens. The three point five um, to five point six lens will work equally as good, but your exposure times will have to be a little bit longer, or you're gonna, or you take a lot more exposures of uh, that object. Um, and then you start on the other side of that lens spectrum, the wide field stuff, the eleven millimeter, um, or, Trevor, mm-hmm. you have, the Rokinon fourteen millimeter f two point eight. Yeah. Right, really good for wide field Milky Way shots. Uh, I have a Tokina. just
0: meant for Milky Way shots.
1: Yeah, I have a Tokina eleven to sixteen millimeter. Awesome, awesome That's lens. That's wide. Yeah, very wide. Um, does a great job. But in general, any any wide angle lens will will work. And then Trevor, you mentioned that, the the oh. nifty fifty. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, and and speaking of wide-angle lenses, if the difference when you put one of those on a full-frame DSLR versus a crop sensor, my oh, goodness, wow. you yeah. want to talk about wide. I can only imagine that the your 11 on a full frame would be like a basically a fisheye yes. because the the 14 on my full frame 5D Mark II is like it's just as far as the eye can see. Like you, it even it captures the your peripheral vision. It's pretty insane. Yes. So it's great if you want to capture, if the Milky Way is just stretched across the sky, you can capture it from end to end with those lenses.
1: That would be something.
0: Yeah, and and one thing you have not mentioned yet, Steve, is that, and including in your shot that you just took of uh, Cassiopeia the other day, that was on a tracking mount. It must have been for you know, shooting three-minute exposures at 80 millimeters. That would be quite star trailed if it, were, if it were on a tripod
1: that's right so um, just like taking any type of deep sky photography you do need to have a tracking mount so the, the I, I have a uh, very old um, uh, RA mount mm-hmm. uh, that I use and it, it performs exceptionally well uh, but mounts such as the iOptron sky tracker or the Skyguider pro uh, are almost essential to doing any type of imaging with, with just a DSLR and a lens, um, especially if you're going to be using a telephoto lens because you will pick up that star trailing after uh, 10, 12 seconds. There's actually tables out there based on focal length and shutter speed um, on or exposure time, rather, on right. how long you can image before you start to see star trails. Uh, obviously, the wider the angle um, and the shorter the exposure time, the longer you... Uh, it'd be, be well, that's sorry. right. Wider the angle, the more exposure time you can get. Um, but on a 200-300 millimeter, your exposure yeah. times drop quite a bit substantially, yeah, that's it.
0: because that magnification has increased so much. So, yeah, with that, so a full-frame camera, say with the 14-millimeter Rokinon lens, I could do a 30-second shot on the tripod. Of the Milky Way and you would you'd see very little star trailing maybe if you zoomed in just because it is so wide and so low magnification if you put that a 300 millimeter telephoto lens on that tripod and try to do a 30 second exposure it would just be nothing but star trails because you're so you've increased the magnification so Uh, any type of deep sky go ahead
1: unless that's what you want the star trails
0: yeah some people like star trail photography so uh, which in which case you would intentionally not track the sky
1: and that, those can actually make some for some really nice images, too.
0: So if there is anyone listening that does not have a tracking mount yet, because I remember those days and I was there, before I even had a tripod, I would just prop my camera and DSLR and my lens up on a towel on a chair and point it towards the night sky. What you want to do there is just maximize the amount of light you pull in in a short exposure. So for you, the sweet spot, say you have like an 18 millimeter lens, uh, like the kit lens, it might the sweet spot might be a twenty second exposure at ISO sixteen hundred uh, at f three point five if that's as fast as the lens goes, uh, and then so th- it's going to be a noisy image if you crank up that ISO. But that's the only way you're going to capture you know maximize the amount of information you capture in a short twenty five second exposure.
1: Yep. Um, you know at uh, Starfest, and for those who who know what Starfest is, that's awesome. Uh, for those who don't, I'll explain it really quickly. Starfest is the largest star party in Canada, and it's a couple of hours north of uh, where I'm located, uh, a little bit farther away for for Trevor. Um, but it's usually in August over the new moon weekend. So at the uh, astrophotography contest uh, during the the introduction um, of the uh, of the contest, the speaker was was showing. Um, uh, a technique that was used with the DSLR from uh, last year's Deep Sky uh, category winner. And the one the person who won last year, his name is Martin, uh, is a friend of mine. Uh, he, he is a, an awesome imager. He actually won first, second, third, and fourth place in uh, the Deep Space uh, category <laughs> last year. So they wouldn't let him enter in this year, and he was a judge. Um, but they showed his work uh, that he did for uh, Roe Fucus. And all he had was a DSLR and a tripod. No tracking. And he, he did something that was really cool. He pointed to, to row and set for one second exposures and just told it to start clicking. And he got over 700 shots of Ro, Um and he nudged the tripod every once in a while just to kind of keep it in the center of view. Um, mm-hmm. And basically until the, the card was full, uh, he and then he took the images and he stacked them up. And Trevor, you'd look at this and you'd think, wow, there's like like, 10-minute exposures here right? that were stacked mm-hmm. together. But the, the beauty of it, what I'm getting at is... Yeah. Um, uh, total can,
0: integrated exposure time. Total inter- integrated oh, exposure time. Whether it's a short time. exposure or long. Yeah, yeah
1: brought in, out so much detail. And he did it without a tracking mount. So mm-hmm. uh, if you have a DSLR, there's no reason why you can't go outside. Point it up to the sky and start taking pictures. And I encourage you to
0: do that. How cool is that? Yep. That is so cool. And and, And you don't have to do one second. You could do whatever your limit is. If it's 15 seconds, take a hundred of those and stack them together in in Deep Sky Stacker.
1: Oh, I should say, too, the camera's not modded. Yeah, that's
0: really inspiring.
1: Yeah. So, he, um, yeah, you know,
0: just... I've heard that, that, that that actually works, and it still doesn't really... I honestly, I would have to do it myself to completely believe it, that total integrated exposure time uh, was the be all end all deciding factor for how much for the signal to noise ratio. But I like, I just can't imagine pulling anything out of, you know, stacked five second shots. But I know people are doing it. Uh, I've never done like a head to head test, whether, you know, I had the same amount of exposure time and however many five second subs as I did, you know, in a shorter number of five minute subs. But I've heard that it that it works like that, so pretty pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I I thought it
0: was just a cool,
1: cool thing to, to even just be aware of, right? Yeah, no that, kidding. They that could do. How that? many people do that. Uh, I know of one. that's about it.
0: Yeah, you just mentioned them. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so. Another way, because you mentioned some of the the affordable tracking mounts, the the Sky Tracker and the Sky Guider Pro, and I've used both of those and love them. Um, But another way is piggyback shots on your telescope rig. So since you're Mm -hmm. polar aligned and tracking the sky anyway, you might as well mount your DSLR camera to your telescope to get some wide field shots at the same time. Uh, but then the, the key is there to mount it properly and still get your you got to make sure your balance is still correct, yes. and then having a ball head so you can actually point that camera where you want it so you're not just taking a wide angle shot of, of your direct target that's that's your telescope is pointing at.
1: Right. Yeah. No. That that, that that's another another option as well. Um, so you you well, know, if you have two cameras, then you can do something. With high magnification and capture that wide field.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yep. Um, so, you know what we haven't talked about yet, Trevor? Is what? Once we take all these pictures, and, whether it's modded or unmodded, um, on a tripod or on a tracking mount or on on, a, on another scope piggyback, um, you still need to process that data. And Yes, you do. So, when you take all those pictures, those are going to be your subs, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or your light frames, but you, we still need to have your calibration frames, so your bias frames and flats and darks. And those are important when when, when processing so you take out the noise and uh, really clean up your images.
0: Mm-hmm. A a so lot funner I... to process an image that's had support files applied to it. Yes, that's for sure.
1: Um, and so when you have uh, all those images and you put them into deep Sky stacker, or Mm -hmm. PIX Insight or Astral PIX Processor or whatever piece of software you guys use, um, Mm -hmm. uh, it's important to do. So uh, Trevor, you've done a video on this. I remember a while back watching it, Um, but really, really quickly, you know, a bias frame is that really the fastest exposure time available with the lens cap on.
0: That's right. Yep, right. that one's the easiest. You can get them all done in fifteen seconds.
1: Yep. So you just set your camera for the fast exposure time. Uh, program so on the XSI, yeah, on the
0: XSI, that was one four thousandth, four thousandth of a second, and you would put the lens cap on. You you fire off about fifteen of those, and then that's all you'll need to load into Deep Sky Stacker. Bi- bias frames are, There's no excuse not to include those.
1: So that that's the that's the first one. Uh, then yep. there's the darks which is another mm-hmm. one, another easy one to do, but it is time consuming. And the key with um, uh, darks is um, you want to have the same exposure time as your light
0: frames. And the same temperature.
1: And the same temperature, yes. That's right, the same temperature.
0: That's, that's the hard one. So you can take them at, an, at a separate time, not on the same night that you were imaging, as long as they're the same exposure length, but you have to make sure that you do match the temperatures up because that thermal noise changes on your sensor, um, in different as, as it's warmer and cooler. So you want to match, match the noise of your light frames.
1: Um, now something that was recommended to me was when you're doing your darks and, and, uh, uh, your bias frames to get a, uh, uh, dark cloth. Um, and, Put it over your camera.
0: Oh yeah, right. You don't it. want stray light coming through your viewfinder,
1: right? So or com- anywhere else for that matter. Yeah. So completely black it out when you do it. Um. So those are your your bias and your your flats, and the most trick sorry your darks and your most tricky ones will be your flat frames, and there's several methods to do this. Um, Trevor, you've shown the t t-shirt method. Um, the white t-shirt method, right? The white t-shirt method, uh, and You have a video on that, so I encourage everybody to go to astrobackyard.com and uh, look for that. Or you can also find it on Trevor's YouTube channel. And he explains how to create a flat frame. Uh, And that flat frame is going to uh, isolate any dust on the sensor or in the image train. uh, So it gets captured in this neutralized background. And when you stack everything together, that signal will be removed from your your light frames, um, and just have yeah. a nice clean clean image.
0: Even even though they are a bit of a pain to capture, and you know maybe at the end of the night or in the the next morning you're not in the mood to fiddle around with these support files, but flat frames, my goodness, they can make a difference in your your image. They'll save you hours of processing because, like Steve said, they'll remove the dust on your sensor. Uh, it's almost like magic, actually. And But they it also evens out the gradient of your background sky So if you're shooting in the city like me if you stack your your images your light frames with darks and bias together You'll still have that wild gradient in the background from you know, wherever the city glow appears to be Radiating from but with you take when you take flat frames. It just evens out the sky background makes your life so much easier.
1: Yeah yeah, so uh, once yeah, once you go through all the fun of taking your images all right, don't stop there. Get spend the time, get the calibration data, and your overall image will will really be um, a lot
0: more pleasing. Oh, it's so yeah, it's so worth, It's worth. It's well worth the effort, and then some.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, other than that, that's wide field with the DSLR, right? And like. That's mm-hmm. all I've been doing this summer, uh, from equipment problems. I've been having my DSLR, my tracking mount, just work, and it works really well. So I uh... yeah,
0: it's a much smaller footprint for a rig that you need for this kind of astrophotography too, right? Like this, this makes sense on a camping trip to just bring a sky tracker, my lens, and my DSLR. Yep. And if it's a stock camera, I'll use the same camera to take pictures of Rudy on the beach and our day, and then at night I put it on and capture the Milky Way, like. You're, when you're not in the mood to, to lug out the big mount and the big telescope, this is a great way to still get your astrophotography fix.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And some of the best shots I've ever seen are, are, are the wide field stuff. Even if it's at 80 millimeters, like the photo you shared today, Steve, with me, uh, and that one, you said won the one that contest of rooficious, like, that's, you're not selling yourself short by not using a telescope. You can get some incredible wide angle images.
1: So I I, uh, I encourage I encourage everyone to uh, to pick up your camera and just point it up and to start <laughs> getting something.
0: Just start pointing up.
1: Just start pointing up at night. Of course. At night, yeah, yeah. Only at night, yeah, okay. and, and, and at the sky.
0: Okay, got it. Night sky, night sky, up, night, sky up.
1: Yep. yeah. Because uh, if you point it down, it won't work.
0: think we got it okay cool
1: (laughs) all right so you know we got some exciting stuff happening um going forward uh you know we're gonna get more regular with the podcasts uh it's been an extremely busy year and the weather's just been really good um uh but we don't want to uh we don't want to lose anyone obviously and keep uh uh keep the information flowing um and we're looking at doing some other exciting uh things with facebook um in the future and I'll just kind of leave it there. So make sure you you listen, you keep an eye on the Facebook page and uh, look for updates and announcements and, and the like. Um, Again, if you have any comments or images you want to share, please hit us up on the Facebook page and, and uh, uh, please do and do so that way.
0: Yeah. And let us know if, if topics like this are a hit with you guys, if it's what you want to talk about or what you'd rather us talk about, because we want to, Um, obviously engage with you guys and and talk about subjects that you're interested in learning more about not just stuff that we find interesting so uh, I think we can all kind of learn something from each other
1: yeah absolutely absolutely okay well Trevor what do you think should we sign off for now
0: (laughs) yeah I think that went pretty well we might as well leave on a high note for you. Yeah. yeah
1: okay everyone clear skies we'll talk to you next time